Hi, this is Ann Robertson, the Executive Director of the Massachusetts Bible Society, and this is the Spirit Walkers Devotion for Sunday, February 8th. The passage comes from 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4b, and the b just means it's the second half of a longer verse. Um, and excuse the dog barking in the background. Someday I'll have a little soundproof booth. But for now, I don't. And for now, we're in Second Kings, where King Hezekiah has just stepped into office and is cleaning up the place. Seemed appropriate. Anyway, he, he being Hezekiah, broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehushtan. Now you may recall that after the Hebrews were freed from slavery in Egypt, they spent 40 years wandering around the desert, forging both their faith and a nation. This wasn't easy, especially for poor Moses who had to try to lead them. Life was hard, and it wasn't long before even some of God's greatest miracles were taken for granted, and instead of offering God gratitude, many simply offered a constant stream of complaints. So, in one of the few instances in Scripture where God does what I might have done under similar circumstances, God sends them poisonous snakes. It's all there to read in Numbers chapter 21. Now, they really have something to complain about. They're getting bit by poisonous snakes. And they holler for Moses to do something. God tells Moses to make a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Whoever looks at the bronze snake will be healed. It works. Now, I've written about the meaning that I find in that text before. But what I've been reflecting on this week is what happens to that bronze snake over time. Apparently, what began as a good gift from God became an idol. By the time of King Hezekiah, almost a thousand years later, the thing has become a snare to the faith of Israel. It even has a name, Nehushtan. As part of a program of reform, Hezekiah takes the thing that God commanded Moses to make and destroys it. The bronze serpent Moses made was nothing without God's power working in and through it. It was a vehicle for God's healing, not the source. But over time that got confused, and the crude bronze snake was worshipped as a god. It became an idol, and the good it once did had become spiritual harm. What I see is that the way idols are made hasn't changed much across the millennia. We begin with something that's good, holy even. Maybe it's even something that God has commanded that we do or have. It could be a thing, like a Bible or a rosary. It might be a family member or a special person that God has brought into our lives. It might be a virtue, like duty or service. Whatever it is, we begin to relate to that gift or responsibility, remembering its context, its source, and its purpose. That's at the start. But in time, we often come to forget that such things are merely a means to the end of true worship and relationship with our Creator. Idols are not usually bad things in and of themselves. The harm comes not from the thing, but from our improper devotion to it, from putting that thing in God's place. That's what idolatry is. 
Now, churches are full of idols. Often they, too, have names affixed with a brass plaque. Pastors discover the power of such idols when they suggest moving them to the other side of the chancel. Sometimes it's the sacred pew, the King James Version of the Bible, a certain creed or style of music, or even the church itself, either as a building or as an institution. When discussions over the times of worship or Christmas decorations cause people to fail in their love of neighbor, you know you have an idol on your hands. When a congregation can't put money into missions because the roof has to be fixed first, or can't open a food pantry because it might make the church look messy, those are signs that idols dwell in your midst. But of course, it isn't only churches. After all, we are the church. We are the ones who are prone to idolatry in both our personal and public life. I think it's fair to say that idolatry brought down Wall Street. They don't call it the almighty dollar for nothing. Like the ancient Israelites, we make our offerings to the wrong gods. We demand that our leaders or those we love have no flaws, that they be divine in their perfection. If they accept that role, we tear them down and say they're arrogant. If they defy our request for perfection and admit failures, we say they're weak and we change gods. We deify national symbols, family values, the good old days, self-sufficiency, and particular interpretations of Scripture. The list goes on and on. Lent is around the corner. It's a good time to start taking an idle inventory in our lives, in order that the season of fire and ashes might break apart our nehushtans. What causes you to violate the love of neighbor because of your devotion to it? Whatever it is, it's time to let it go. Will you pray with me? Forgive us, God, when we forget that you alone are our light and our salvation. Amen. Thanks for subscribing to Spirit Walkers. You can find it here every week, usually on Sundays. Almost didn't happen today, but I got through it. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. <laughs>